This is a Squiz podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. The Paralympics are about to begin. After a massive medal haul by the Aussies at the recent Olympics, we're riding the Olympic train for as long as we can. To get you geared up and ready for the start of the Games, we're again handballing this one to the team at Sport Today to get you across how the Paralympics came to be, the sports included and how the often referred to classifications work, and then the big one, who and what to look out for. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. Hello, I'm Sam Ferris. And I'm Martin Gabor. Gabs, we're back again. Last time it was the Tokyo Olympics. Now we're going to run through the Paralympics. Shall we get into it? I thought you'd never ask, Sam. Let's do it. The Paralympics starts on the 24th of August and runs until the 5th of September. Like the Olympics, they were delayed because of COVID, but they are finally here, Gabs. And that they are, Fez. The Paralympics has a much longer history than many realise, and Japan is actually a key part to it all. They became the first and only city to have hosted the Paralympic Games twice, the first time back in 1964. So to set the scene, it all started after World War II to help with the large number of veterans who had come home injured from the war. And a guy called Ludwig Gutmann is a big name in the Paralympic world. He is known as the father of the Paralympics. Yeah, that's right, Sam. He was a doctor and a big believer in using sport to help rehabilitate people with spinal injuries. It was a pretty alternative view at the time, Sam, because the patients were only expected to live for two years, so the focus was to make their remaining days as comfortable as possible. But Gutmann, well, he had other ideas. He certainly did. In 1944, he opened up a centre at a hospital in the UK where patients were treated through craft and sport. Yeah, not only did that help with fitness, but Gutmann said it was a good way to boost self-esteem and restore dignity. And that process of rehabilitation eventually evolved into recreational sport and then more competitive sport. And given Gutmann's work in the space, it was only fitting that he asked to organise the first competition for wheelchair athletes. That happened at the 1948 Olympic Games in London. Fast forward to 1960 in Rome, where 400 athletes from 23 countries competed in the first Paralympic Games. From this point on, the Paralympics were played every four years, and the same went for the Winter Games after the first Winter Paralympics in Sweden in 1976. Yeah, that's right. But it wasn't until 1988 in Seoul, South Korea, that the Paralympics were hosted in the same city as the Olympics. It was a pretty big milestone, and it's been that way ever since. And with the Paralympics really ramping up, those representing the athletes created the International Paralympic Committee, or the IPC, to govern the Paralympics. And if you look to where things are today for Tokyo 2020, there are 4,400 athletes from more than 160 countries competing in 22 different sports. From Australia alone, 174 athletes will don the green and gold this year. We'll get to the ins and outs of who to look out for and what sports to watch a little bit later on, but let's get into the logistics of who can compete and the classification process. Millions of people are expected to tune in to the Paralympics in Tokyo, and chances are you'll see athletes with different impairments competing next to one another. 
If you're wondering how that can be fair, the reason is a thing called classification. It's a pretty complicated process, which brings us to the obvious question, who can compete? It's an obvious question, but it's a good question. So the Paralympics are for athletes with a physical, intellectual or visual impairment, but not every person with a disability is eligible for the Paralympics and not every athlete who is eligible for the Paralympics is eligible for every sport. So just to explain that for us, Gabs, how can you be eligible for the Paralympics but not eligible in some sports? Okay, well, if we look at swimming, for example, athletes compete in events based on what disability threshold they meet, whereas other sports like seven-a-side football are for athletes with a specific impairment. Okay, gotcha. So back to classification. Talk us through how that works. Okay, it's basically a process of putting athletes into different classes. That way, they can compete against each other in their sport whose impairments affect them in a similar way. And that's decided by putting each athlete through vigorous testing to then allocate a class. Yep, that's right. So there are two steps in this process. The first is to figure out whether an athlete has an impairment that makes them eligible for a sport. And there are 10 impairment categories in total, which includes things like visual impairment, as we mentioned, limb deficiency like amputation, for example, or short stature. The second element is then to work out their class within a sport. Yeah, and this is where it tends to get a little confusing. If we look at swimming, for example, it has 14 classes. Ten of those classes are for physical impairments, three are for visual impairments, and there is one for intellectual disability. So if an athlete has a physical impairment, their class is determined by how much their limitation affects their ability to swim. Class 1 would be the most disabled and Class 10 would be the least disabled. And an athlete's class is also determined for each event they compete in. So they might classify as a 9 in freestyle but a 10 in butterfly. Yep, that's right. So the knock-on effect is it means more swimming races because there is one for each class across each distance and stroke. Which really means just more for us to watch, hey, Gabs? Exactly, and there's nothing wrong with that. And you mentioned sports like seven-a-side football where athletes have a specific impairment. Talk us through how classification works in that instance. Yep, so seven-a-side football is for athletes with cerebral palsy as well as other neurological disorders such as a traumatic brain injury. So they are specific impairments. There are four sport classes, those being FT5, FT6, FT7 and FT8. Again, depending on how much their impairment impacts sport performance. But rather than playing class against class, the rules of the game are that each team needs to have one FT5 or FT6 player on the field at all times, and it's not allowed to have more than one FT8 player on the field. And each Paralympic sport is different, but that's a glimpse at how it all works. And there are rules around technology too, Gabs. Yeah, and technology is always a hot issue in sport. And with advancements today, the possibilities seem limitless. But there are rules in place for technology and equipment to make sure events remain fair across the board. And these come under the IPC's four principles. Those are safety, fairness, universality and physical prowess. So in essence, it must be reasonably available to all, safe, and it cannot enhance performance beyond a natural physical ability. A lot of opinions about that, no doubt. Uh, Let's get into some of the fun dates about what to watch and who to look out for. All 
right, getting away from the logistics, let's get into the games itself. As is always the case with the Olympics and Paralympics scabs, there are sports that have been added and removed over the years, and this year is no different. No, that's right, Fez. The Tokyo Paralympics will have two new events this year, taekwondo and badminton, so those are definitely ones to look out for. Some of the other events are swimming, as we touched on earlier, athletics, cycling, wheelchair basketball and tennis, and sitting volleyball. There are also two sports that are probably lesser known, uh, boccia and goalball, which are unique to the Paralympics. Let's start with boccia. Yeah, so boccia is played indoors and there are singles, pairs and team events. The main aim of this game is to test muscle control and accuracy. So athletes are in wheelchairs and they throw, kick, or use a ramp to shoot six leather balls as close as possible to a white ball called the jack, just like in lawn bowls. Whoever has the most number of balls closer to the jack wins. Yeah, so it's just like lawn bowls. Exactly, and it's the first time it's being played at the Paralympics, so it is a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's definitely one to watch. And we mentioned goalball, which has been around a little while. It has. It made its debut back in 1976 at the Toronto Paralympics. Now, this is a team sport, again played indoors by athletes with vision impairment. And the object of the game is to roll the ball into the goal, and those on the other team will try to block it with their bodies. There are bells inside the ball that help players work out where it is, so spectators have to be silent when the ball is in play. Which shouldn't be an issue this year given there are no spectators at the Paralympics thanks to COVID. Restrictions have really thrown a spanner in the works for the Paralympics. For our Aussies, it means they are only arriving in Japan a couple of days ahead of their events. Yeah, that's right, and it is really hot in Tokyo at the moment, so pundits say those restrictions have really robbed athletes of the chance to acclimatise and get used to the brutal conditions in Japan. That said, Aussies have traditionally fared quite well at the Paralympics and they are hungry for gold, particularly Aussie Dylan Orcott, who's going for the Golden Slam in wheelchair tennis. Ah, yes, the Golden Slam. That's basically sport talk for winning all four tennis majors and the Olympics. Orcott has the first three majors of the year, so he just needs the gold medal and then the US Open for the Golden Slam. So, Sam, I think it's fair to say that we're all rooting for him. Yeah, that's fair to say. We've also got 32 Paralympic swimmers heading to Tokyo, including 15 debutants and some of our most successful veterans, including six-time gold medalist Ellie Cole. But the swimmer I'm excited to see is youngster Tiffany Thomas-Kane, who won four medals in Rio, including a gold when she was just 15 years old. Yeah, Ellie Cole, she is a legend of swimming, so definitely keep an eye out for her. We could talk about the Aussies all day, but to wrap this up, Australia's wheelchair rugby team, the Steelers, they're going for their third consecutive gold medal, and there's a lot to look forward to in wheelchair racer Reed McCracken in the 100-metre race. He's coached by the same person behind famed Paralympian Kurt Fernley, so watch out for him. I will, and I'll tell you what, just all this talk is getting me all excited all over again, Sam. Yeah, bring it on. Uh, that's your shortcut to the Paralympics. On to our recommendations. Each week, we recommend some further reading, listening, or watching. There are a lot of incredible stories about the Paralympians competing at the Games, so mine is a link to a Guardian article about Curtis McGrath, who was deployed to Afghanistan and lost both his legs just months later when he stepped on an explosive device. It's an incredible story about how he turned to sport to stave off PTSD and other mental health issues. For me, I've gone down the video path and there is a great video of the best moments of the Paralympics. If you want to get pumped up for the Paralympics, this is one worth checking out. 
We'll put all those recommendations into your episode notes. Australians can watch the Paralympics on Network 7 and its streaming service 7 Plus. Now Gabs, while we're here, I'm going to take the opportunity to plug our sports podcast, Sport Today. It's a weekday sports news podcast for sports lovers. It's quick, brings you up to speed with the big talking points in Australia and abroad and arrives in your favourite podcast app by 6.30am each morning. And there's trivia too. Who doesn't love trivia? Thanks for having us again. Gabs, this is becoming a regular occurrence for us. Yeah, when's the next Olympics? I think we've got about a year to wait. Uh, So we'll catch you then.